Well, amen. Before you have a seat, give somebody a high five or an exploding fist bump and tell them God is good. Amen. Does anybody have a Bible or electronic device of some sort with the word on it? Let's hold it up, shake it a little bit, make the bookstores glad and the devil mad, and let's chop off some devil's heads. Na, 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 na. And we got a few. Not bad, not bad. Well, if you believe this is a weapon of mass instruction, you repeat after me. This Bible has the power to change my life, to change my city. I can do what this Bible says I can do. I'll be a history maker and a world shaker. This Bible's a truth detector, a sin deflector, a fate inflator. I'm a faith inflator. I'm going to read it now and read it later. Amen. If you believe that, give Jesus a clap and a hand. A shout and all that good stuff. Amen. Well, I'm going to preach a message today entitled, The Voice of Deception. Or, I like two titles, I Hear Voices. All right? I bumped into an old friend yesterday, asked how they were doing. They said, oh, not too bad. At least I'm not hearing the voices anymore. I said, well, you taking your medication? He said, well, no, I quit my job and got divorced. But anyhow, just look at your neighbor and say, you're, uh, you're jealous I hear voices. No, but I was really asking the Lord what to preach. I knew I was going to have time as Pastor John's on vacation. Be sure to pray for Pastor John and Linnell just to rest and, um, and just God really bless them. But I knew I was going to be preaching, and I was thinking about staying on the series Pastor John had been preaching about voices, and I was getting this thought. It's just, it's kind of amazing through the years of ministry how many people can kind of get deceived when they think they hear the voice of God. I mean, I've heard people say, oh, God told me to marry so-and-so. Or God told me to get this car with the $800 payments or all these things where they just get off course. And I was thinking, okay, it's, it's, uh, it's easy to hear God's voice, but it's easy to get deceived. And so I just, and then I was, so I was asking the Lord this, no more than in this prayer, I go to our Bible reading guide, which is in Obadiah. And matter of fact, $100 is the first person who finds Obadiah chapter 3 and raises your hand. No Obadiah chapter 3. This is one, it's just Obadiah. But in verse 3, it says, the pride of your heart has deceived you. And I just prayed that, and I saw it deceived you, and I said, this could be the Lord. And so I just continued to study on it. First of all, God is still speaking today. He wants to have relationship with us, and relationship requires communication. And God wants us to hear Him more than even we do. Matter of fact, His Word, He says in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. John 8, 47, he who is of God hears the words of God. And I believe Elijah gives a good understanding of God's voice in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks into pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. You know, I think a lot of times we kind of think, you know, when the Lord speaks, it's going to be this, this big, loud, supernatural thing. Matter of fact, I was kind of telling the Lord when I was off in my own little world, not serving Him, okay, God, if you want me to serve you, do the bolt of lightning, you know, the big voice in the sky, you know, something, and I'll serve you. Let's go on and read. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. You know, he still speaks today in a quiet, internal voice. That means he speaks through our thought 
process. You know, our will, our emotions, our soul, all that's going on, He speaks to us through that. And there's three general ways He communicates to us directly. Seeing, hearing, and feeling. Those are some of the ways, some of the kind of the main ways, I would say. In other words, you might just see something. You just kind of picture something uh, that the Lord's doing or He wants you to do. Another thing is you might hear, like I said, in that thought process. And the other one is you might feel. My wife is more of a just feels. I just feel like that's not the Lord, or or I just feel this person's, you know, demonic or whatever it may be. She just kind of feels things. We did a little kind of what I call an exercise a couple Wednesday nights ago, and you've maybe done this before, but I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and say something to the Lord. I mean, say it loud enough you can kind of hear it. And then just listen to what you hear, what you think. You ready? Close your eyes. Now just say, I love you, Father. Now, what did you think? What did you hear? You know, I could ask around. I asked Wednesday night. I had people saying, uh, I love you. And they, God actually used their little pet name, that a little name he has for him, or maybe a, a father called him and they said that. But I heard many people, and I do this a lot, even with kids and youth, and a lot of the general consensus is, like how many of you heard something like, I love you too? Anybody, did you hear something that had to do with God's love for you? That's kind of a little example. Another one, Habakkuk 2, verse 1. I will stand my watch and set myself on a rampart and watch to see what the Lord will say to me. The Lord can speak in your mind's eye or in the theater of your mind. Our minds are very powerful things the Lord's created. a matter of fact, if I would say, think of a man, and you might get a picture of a man, but I say, think of your father, then that image would just change to a more specific thing. If I say, think of, think of a house, you might think of a little character house, but I say, think of your home. And it'll begin to change. I could tell a story of my daughter at the ocean and how she was three and she was playing on the beach and this big wave came in. and tum- You know, you can begin to see the movie in your mind. And so that's one way God can communicate. So how do you tune your ear to hear the voice of the Lord? The writer of Hebrews tells us we can actually do that, recognize the voice of the Lord. And here's how, Hebrews 5.14. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is... Those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. It's by practicing. It's by reason of use. You can get better at it. You can recognize God's voice. I would encourage you to keep a journal. That's what I do. You can write out your prayers. You can ask open-ended questions to God. Uh, You can do like you do in junior high. You, you, You say, do you like me? Circle yes or no. I mean, I've written out things where I'm trying to make a decision. I say, God, should I do this? I'll write yes or no, and then I'll just go with my impression, and I'll circle one. Now I can go back through my journal and look and see, okay, that time I was missing, Lord. My voice was just screaming that I wanted this thing. Or you can begin to discern what the Lord's saying by reason of use, by exercising this gift He gives you. And it's important to understand there's three ways, or three voices that try to communicate to us. There's the voice of God, the voice of the enemy, and our own selves that are trying to communicate all the time. And it should be fairly easy to discern the enemy's voice. Because first of all, it'll usually always contradict the scripture. It'll have a bent towards selfishness. Uh, It'll have an ulterior motive, and it's usually pushy. That's the enemy's voice. So we need to discern God's voice. The word to discern literally means to extract the precious from the worthless. So you've got all these voices going off. 
And you're, you try to discern, you're okay, that's not God. Get rid of that. That's not God, or that is God. That's a nugget. And I'm telling you, you're not going to find any nuggets. Has anybody went to Murfreesboro and just walked around and looked for diamonds and just stumbled across one? The first, or go, I'm going to go find gold and just walk around and hopefully I trip over a big nugget. Now, you've got to kind of get in here and dig a little bit, don't you, to find something. But it's in there. But you've got to discern. And you know what? The loudest voice is not always the wisest voice. How many have learned that one before? So here's a good way to discern, to understand what God does not say, all right? A couple of these points I picked up from a lady by the name of Teresa Septuus, founder of God Speak International. Number one, I already said it, God does not speak contrary to His Word, all right? So by studying scriptures, you're going to get to know what He thinks, you'll become familiar with what He says. By getting that word, you're going to understand God's nature and how He's communicating, what He's communicating. So if you get something that's contrary to the Word of God, you better ask again or you better go seek counsel because God's not schizophrenic. He's not going to change His mind. He put it in here. Number two, God's voice is not the voice of anxiety, unsettledness, or exhaustion. That means it's harder to hear God when you're exhausted, when you're all anxious, or whatever may be going on. Sometimes, I mean, it's hard to communicate sometimes to your friend or your spouse if you're super tired. It's just hard to focus and communicate. Sometimes you just got to sleep on it a little bit. And I've had some people that are so worked up, they can't even talk. <laughs> they can't even catch their breath. It's like, calm down, take a breath. You know, I wonder sometimes is God's telling us that. And we, we're telling that to our little kids when God's telling just slow down a little bit. You know, I've created a day called the Sabbath that you're supposed to rest. I mean, if you're just working all the time and moving all the time, I tell you, sometimes you just got to slow down and stop. Listen for his voice. Because here's another one. God, God's voice is not a voice of obscurity. That means it's not rocket science, okay? An example. Um, first of all, God speaks to those who seek him. Do you agree with that? And in the film, you maybe you've seen, it's been a while, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Harrison Ford, his character is on a quest for the Holy Grail, okay? And he discovers a series of cryptic clues in an ancient language, and there's all these riddles, and they were obscure riddles, and it turned out that those riddles would help him find the Holy Grail. The catch was you had to be incredibly smart. The average person wouldn't be able to figure it out. So to make matters worse, there's a very high price tag attached to these riddles. In other words, if you messed up or were a little slow, you could lose your life. So he has this riddle, and the clue is, only the penitent shall pass. And so now he's walking through a dark cavern, and he's thinking and muttering to himself, only the penitent shall pass. Only the penitent shall pass. And just like that, he thinks, okay, penitent men approach God on their knees. He drops to his knees just as a giant axe comes out of the wall, swings right across his head. Would have cut him in half if he'd been standing. But since he dropped to his knees, I mean, his life was spared. I think sometimes we think of God as this very mysterious, hard-to-reach kind of a God. That, and he, won't, he doesn't have to speak to us in dark sayings or riddles, Okay. He can speak to us like he did Moses, face to face. Like Adam, walking and talking with you. That's the way he designed this thing. And when we messed it up back in the Garden of Eden, God immediately was on a path to get us back into that relationship through Jesus Christ, that we can have a relationship with him. And he wants to communicate with us. 
Now, a lot of you know Kevin Modi goes to our church. Matter of fact, he's cooking the great meal that uh, you can eat afterwards, the gumbo. But he comes to our Connect class on the third class, and he does prophetic ministry over the new people that are there. And he's just tuning his radio to hear God's voice. And what he's saying to you is always encouraging, uplifting, edifying. And I'm telling you, I always, people just, you just see tears coming out of their eyes because they realize, man, God knows this about me. And it's just amazing. But here's what God spoke to Kevin's heart. He said, Kevin, don't trust on your ability to hear me, on your ability to hear me. Trust on my ability to communicate to you. Doesn't that make it easier? Trust on God's ability to communicate to you. Because you know what? God's ability to communicate to you clearly is better and greater than your ability to miss it or get it wrong. It really is. Number four point on this one. God's voice is not the voice of gossip. Look at your neighbor and go, Here's the thing. God will not tell us other people's faults or problems unless he intends to be a part of it. And so the good news, if God won't gossip to you about others, he's not going to gossip to others about you. Isn't that good to know? Amen? And here's the thing. If he gives you something personal or revealing, he wants you to pray about it and possibly be a part of the solution. So he wants you to help in that situation. Not just send it down the prayer chain and gossip to everybody. Number five, God's voice is not the voice of condemnation. Okay? Here's the thing about condemnation. I've used this before. But condemnation always pushes you away from the cross. It says, you messed up. You shouldn't go to church. Or you can't read your Bible now, man. You really blew it. Or you, God won't listen to your... All that stuff that pushes you away. Conviction from the Holy Spirit might say, yeah, you messed up. Now get in your word. You messed up. Yeah, now get to church. Get around some other believers. It always draws you closer to the cross. And here's another thing about God's voice. God's voice does not have an if in it. When the enemy came to tempt Jesus, he said, if you are the son of man. He said, if you will bow down and worship me. When the Holy Spirit communicates, there's no if in it. All right? So let's talk about deception, getting off course and making wrong decisions. How can you, uh, because first of all, life is all about decisions. I mean, the decisions you make today determine your tomorrows. Matter of fact, some of us are still suffering the consequences of some decisions we made or did not make. And so, again, life's all about decisions like, what do I do with the rest of my life? Uh, where do I go to school? Who should I marry? So how do you make right decisions? Do you consult your horoscope? Do you call the psychic hotline? Or do you seek the stars? Or do you seek the one who made the stars? 1 Corinthians 14.10 There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without significance. That means no matter what these voices are, they have some weight and some power to either lead you down the right path or the wrong path, to cause blessings or destruction. The Bible, you choose. Do you want life or death? The answers are in this book. So let's go over a few things that can distort your ability to hear God, that can hinder your ability to hear wrong, and just kind of mess it up if these are operating in your life. Number one is pride. I mentioned that at the start. And the scripture was Obadiah verse 3. Pride of your heart has deceived you. You know, I read a sermon by Charles Finney, written in 1848. It says, the pride of heart deceives. It talks about what pride does. Listen to a couple of points he makes. It renders men in great measure blind to their own faults. It leads men to excuse or cover their own faults. It leads men to imagine they have virtues they don't have and over-exaggerate the virtues they do have. Something else about pride. Pride will not allow you 
to properly apply truth to your life. You could be sitting in a message, God be speaking right to you, and you begin to think and you go, oh yeah, that's for so-and-so over there. And you can apply it to their life, but you can't apply it to yours. Another point, it makes men imagine they believe the Bible when they don't. They profess to believe the Bible, but make no effort to read it or apply it to their life. It's like, what if an angel showed up with a book sealed with seven seals, and they said, this is a revelation from God, and here it is, it's for you. Would you take that and just set it up on a shelf and let it collect dust? Man, you would get in that. I'm telling you, here's a revelation from God to you. It's a love letter to you. It's called His Word. I really believe if you'd been, or me, been the only person here, He still would have went through this whole thing. His son dying on a cross and giving us His Word. Because He loves us that much. Also, men are deluded by their, pride, by their pride when they think they love God, yet they do not love to please Him. John 14, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I mean, if you're in a relationship, like, I've been married 30 years, I know what can make my wife upset, and I know what can make her happy. I've learned that. You newlyweds, it'll take you a day or two to figure out some of these things. Now, we might spend 30 years trying to, you know, fussing and fighting, but I mean, you start to learn, hey, they like this, they don't. I mean, God's Word tells us what He likes and what He doesn't like, and I wouldn't want to walk under His blessings. Okay, here's another thing that can distort God's voice and, and throw you off. Envy and self-seeking. And here's the scripture, James 3.16. For envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. God's not a God of confusion. And it says wherever there's envy and self-seeking, it's like this cloud of confusion can come over you. And you can just, have, you're just like, what's going on? Let's read the whole context of this, starting in verse 14. But if you're bitterly jealous, there is selfish ambition in your hearts. Don't brag about being wise. That is the worst kind of lie. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, motivated by the devil. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every kind of evil. Okay, now it goes on to just give a description of God's voice, of God's wisdom. So if you're getting counsel, if you're getting thoughts, this is what it should be like. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, it's peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others, it's full of mercy, good deeds, it shows no partiality, and it's always sincere. Okay, here's another thing that I believe can distort and get you off course. Uh, strap on your seatbelt. You ready? Drugs and alcohol. The verse, Proverbs 23, 31. Don't let the sparkle and smooth taste of wine deceive you. Now, for my extensive experience, before I was saved, I almost think I went to college to seem like just to, uh, to do the booze part of it, whatever. But I know this without question. Alcohol waters down your ability to say no. I mean, it just, it's out the window. I mean, just you can see how it affects your ability. First of all, you know, all the in driving and everything else. But here's the thing. People make stupid decisions when under the influence of something other than the Holy Ghost. I said people make stupid decisions when you're under the influence of anything other than the Holy Spirit. 
prescription drugs, you can go across, and I'm not saying don't take medication, but sometimes you have to be careful, don't you? Because it can open up a whole other realm. A matter of fact, what does it say about sorcery and witchcraft? In Galatians 5.20, we say, oh man, I wouldn't dare touch that. Well, you know what? That word sorcery comes from the Greek word pharmakia, where we get our word pharmacy, which literally translates the illicit use of drugs. Do you know Jesus was offered drugs? Do you know where he was offered drugs and refused? It was when he was on the cross. Matthew 27, he was offered gall. Listen to what it says in the Jerome Bible commentary. It was the practice of Jewish women to offer a strong narcotic drink to men condemned to execution. Jesus refused this. I mean, is, would there have been a better time to take the edge off? I mean, just to kind of go to another place and not worry about it? I'm telling you, if you had any reason... That's the most brutal death anybody can. And we all have, well, I just need a little something to knock the edge off. I just, whatever it may be. Let's go on a little bit. Galatians 5.16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Our flesh is always talking loud. It's always screaming. It always wants something. Feed me, feed me. I want this, I want that. It's usually the loudest voice. Verse 18. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. So if you're led by the Spirit, you can take, maybe you won't operate in some of these things, because if you operate in these things, I'm getting ready to list. I mean, you're not hearing God's voice at all. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness under the influence, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you before, just as I told you in the time past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Not just not hearing God's voice, but being deceived to the place where you don't even go to heaven. I mean, I was at a place where I said that little prayer for fire insurance, but I went on living the same old way. And I'll tell you, that was the worst time of my life, just struggling, being pulled to the left or the right. And I wonder at that point, was that prayer enough, or was it my repentance beginning to change? Just a thought. Let's go to the drinking issue here, okay? We'll kind of finish on that real quick. First of all, you're an adult. If you're an adult, let's put it that way. If you're an adult, it's your decision, totally your decision. I'm not up here making a stance for a church or anything. Matter of fact, I'm not asking you to put on my armor. I'm not asking you to pick up my cross. I'm telling you, when I came to a place in my life where I heard the still small voice, and it was at a place, I know right where it was at. I was in San Antonio on one of the lakes. We'd been boating, had some friends from Nebraska down. I was floating in an inner tube. I don't know how many it was at that point, but I just, I had this thought. I said, you know, I don't like this feeling anymore where I'm kind of being under the influence, where I'm kind of, where I have to do this to have fun, where, you know, I'm just, it's kind of leading me. And I just felt like that still small voice that if, just let it go and sow it into the kingdom. See, I just didn't give it up. I sowed it into the kingdom. You know, Jesus, if, if you can have that last supper and say, you're not going to drink of this till we have that big marriage supper thing, you can give me grace. I'll hold off too. We'll have one together. Amen. But this is my thing, okay? But I really believe when I look back at my life, if I wouldn't have said yes to that voice, I don't think I'd be married for 30 years. I know my four children wouldn't be serving the Lord and not drinking and me having a double standard. And I don't regret it for one minute for the last 28 years, years not having a drink. I don't regret it a bit. 
And you know what? Of the 30 years of ministry, I know the problems and complications that I've had to counsel people of just one or two drinks and where it's led them. So just a little thought there. All right? Moving on. Number four, sin. Say sin. sin. 2 Corinthians eleven three. But I fearly somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Sin opens the door to deception. Okay? Listen to this uh, statement by Smith Wigglesworth. Sin is never covered by our appearance, our presence, our prayers, or our tears. Sin can only be removed by repentance. That's turning and going the other way. You know, the Spirit spoke in her ear back then, and He still speaks in ours today. He'll say things like, well, surely you won't die. Or it's only one drink. Or, you know, your wife will understand. She's just a good friend. You know, she'll understand you might need somebody else to talk to of another gender once in a while, whatever the lie may be. 1 Timothy 2.14. Okay, ladies, you fasten your seatbelts now. And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. Martin Luther in the 1500s made this statement. The serpent did not attack Adam, but rather attacked the weaker vessel, just as he does today. One more verse. 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the, what vessel? The weaker vessel. And as being heirs together of the grace of life, your prayers not, may not be hindered. Now, when I say or hear weaker, I'm not saying lesser. I'm not saying you're a doormat. I'm not saying you're less spiritual. Nothing like that at all. But I believe God is saying somehow he wired women different. And all the men said, Amen. Lord have mercy. No. If you've been to any of our uh, married small groups, we have one by Mark Gunger called Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a great one. And he describes men's brains and women's brains. And he says, men's brains, it's like little boxes. We have all these little compartments. We put, you know, our, our vehicles in that one, our money in this one, you know, uh, whatever. We have all these little boxes and none of the boxes can touch. They're all separate. But now women, it's like a big ball of wire. And everything's connected. Emotions are connected to everything. Finance is just, you know, everything's going off. And again, when I say weaker, to me it means you're more sensitive to be able to hear the voice of the Lord, but also to be able to hear the voice. I mean, you're more sensitive to the spirit realm. That's why it's so important to be covered. I mean, you know, husband and wife have a relationship where you're covered. If you're a single mom or a single lady, that you just have people in leadership that cover you. And when you're trying to make a major decision, you just go to them and say, hey, would you pray with me? I feel like I'm hearing the Lord, but would you cover me in this matter? Okay, there is, this is a personal story of mine. And it involved a lady that went to our church. A lady I respected and admired, very spiritual. But and here's the thing. Here's what set it up. They were really studying a lot about a Jezebel spirit. Just really, oh, learning about, reading about this and studying about a Jezebel spirit. Do you ever notice sometimes if you go to buy a certain type of car, like let's say you're going to look at a, a Volkswagen, that for that next week you see Volkswagens all over. Or you're going to buy a certain pair of tennis shoes, all of a sudden everybody's wearing them. Man, they got those shoes too. I mean, you study about demons, you're going to start seeing them everywhere. Study about Jesus a little more. I'm not saying don't, but just a little thought there. But this person made an accusation against a man that I know that they had a Jezebel spirit based on this and this. And I thought, well, first of all, 
I know how they respond in this situation, and that was not the situation. But the other thing I said, okay, this man, I know of four to five people that he's connected with spiritually that cover him. And this whole time in the six or more years I knew this person, I never got a check in my spirit about it. And even checking with some other people. No, I just don't. But, you know, I'm open to the Lord here. And so I got word to him. I said, why don't you meet with Pastor Linnell and submit this word to her? Immediately the person said, no, I heard from God. It's not going to change. I'm not submitting it to anybody. Never been back in our church since then. But you know what? The moment they said that, I felt the Lord speak to me. They were deceived by the very deceiving spirit they were trying to call out. It's just important to be covered. See, if the enemy can't drag you in the one dish, ditch, he'll push you into the other ditch. And here's why. The Word of God says in James 3.17, God's wisdom is full of peace and gentleness. It is willing to submit. If you're afraid to submit to authority, it's not from God. And if the voice tells you to keep it a secret or just tell sister so-and-so because she might understand, nobody else will, it's not from God. I mean, anyhow, don't be misled by a voice. It says in John 4.1, Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are from God or not. Another version, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. I've had people in the first few years here, you're going to pastor this church next year. You're going to do this. You're going to, and you just, where'd this person come from? You know what? I mean, and you can, and here's the thing. You can tell by their fruit too, right? I mean, I'm going to judge somebody, but I'll be a fruit inspector. You get something that says don't submit or it's a secret, it's demonic. Every true thing, every holy thing doesn't need to be kept a secret. It can be shouted from the housetops. And if you hear God say, you're someone special. You're going to be the greatest preacher in the world. You're going to be the greatest missionary ever. You're going to be the greatest whatever. It's probably not God. So how can a believing Christian agree with a false voice? They can know by the Word of God. 1 John 4, 1, in that same thing about test of spirit, says many false prophets have gone out into the world. Who are the false prophets after? Perhaps somebody with sincerity, earnestness, zeal, purity. I'm telling you, he'll use your gift against you. He'll even use the gift of compassion against you. When I first got here, a husband and wife in our church, very anointed uh, couple, there was a single mom. Something happened, kicked out of her home, had to have a place to stay. And it was almost really without asking any counsel or leadership, it's like, well, that's the Christian thing you do. Let them come into their house. Within two weeks, she had an affair with her husband. That other lady did. You know, he can use compassion. You still got to get counsel. Just because it's the Christian thing to do doesn't mean it's for you at that time in that situation. If there's a lady walking on the side of the road and I'm by myself, I'm going to drive on by. I might stop, call somebody, get somebody to come help her, do something like that. But I'm going to be cautious. Amen? Amen. Test the spirits to see whether they're false or not. And here's the thing. I want you to keep in mind, when you hear these voices, you're going to be the greatest, whatever. Keep in mind, I mean, who am I living for? What is the hope of my life? 
Do I need to be the greatest preacher, the greatest evangelist? Or does God just need to be glorified in my life? Because, well, listen to what, this is another quote by Smith Wigglesworth. I just love it. The ripe grape, follow this, the ripe grape is never as pure and perfect as just before it decays. The child of God is never as near to God as when the devil can come and say, you're wonderful. You know, every next level we go in God should be a new level of humility, humility, a new level of brokenness, a new level of surrender where we are nothing and God is everything. How do you know if a voice is false or not? Test the spirits. 1 John 4, 2. By this you will know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus has come in the flesh is not from God. Sometimes you're getting counsel or something. Maybe you just need to stop and say, uh, did Jesus come in the flesh? Oh, I, 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 I might just kind of settle things right there. You never know. You know them by the fruit. You can learn to know the difference. We can live in a place of knowing the scriptures, listening to his voice, so we can discern whether it's God's or not. Did Jesus come in the flesh? Yes. And now the living Christ lives in me. The moment I asked him to come in and believed, he came into my life. Now, that was 30 years ago, but there needs to be a manifestation of his life in my life. I mean, if you've really asked him in, your language, your expressions, your action, everything should start to be more like Christ. You know, in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, you know what they said of Peter and John? They looked at him and they said, they realized that they had been with Jesus. Isn't that the way it should be? People should realize we've been with Jesus. I'm telling you, if they don't even know you're a Christian, you, you, might, just, you might just be deceived. Just maybe. Maybe if they have no clue, if nothing's coming out of your life. I mean, we should live in such a way the aroma, the personality of Christ comes out through us. Last scripture before we go. Galatians 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I like that one so much, I'm gonna read it again. Only I'm gonna read it in the message version. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know what? I think we'd be in a lot less trouble instead of asking Jesus to follow us if we would just follow Jesus. Because Jesus will lead us in all truth. Won't he? As we close, I want you to think about maybe something you've seen in the news. It's a story. President Obama has uh, given the the Medal of Honor to a 24-year-old Marine who I believe at the age of 20 or 21... Uh, he was in Afghanistan with another uh, soldier, his Marine buddy. They were on a roof, kind of uh, scouting things out when a grenade was tossed up on the roof. In a split second, he threw himself between the grenade and his friend. Well, when they got him to the medics, he was pronounced dead. Now, of course, he lived, went through years of 
uh, rehabilitation. It said that he had a skull fracture, punctured lung. Uh, his name was Kyle Carpenter, by the way. Uh, lost, blinded in his right eye. Both of his eardrums ruptured. The carotid artery in his neck was punctured. 30 fractures or more on his right arm. Shrapnel on his both legs. Lost most of his lower teeth. So you can imagine the scars he had. You know what his, his uh, Twitter account name is? Chicks dig scars. And he says scars are beautiful. I mean, he's that, and he's accomplished just major things. Marathons and speaking all over. And just, he's just wearing it. He said he's proud to serve his country. I mean, just think about that. I want you to think as we close a minute. This man, the Bible says, very seldom will a man give his life for somebody else. Yet this guy did that. And you know, I think in my life, how hard it is sometimes just to die to self. I mean, and I've learned the hard way, but I will get up early and talk to God. But I struggled a long time. You know, all oh, that 15 minutes or that half hour is just going to make such a difference in my life if I sleep a little longer. But I begin to think of this other voice. Jesus died and rose from the dead and I can't even get out of bed. I mean, just, sac- I mean, just, just how many want God to help you a little more die to self? Just hold up your hand. Amen. Another thought. Most of us here have scars. That represents those tough times we've been through. You know, those hard times. But those of you that have gotten through it, you realize that same comfort that you received to get through that, now you can use that comfort to help somebody else. So in other words, your scars are beautiful. They're going to be able to help somebody else get through it. You'll be able to give them a word of encouragement. And the last thing, how many want to use your scars to be a blessing to somebody else and be comfort to somebody else? The last thing, it's like our sins are like a grenade. I mean, it's like we go through life and just, it's like every sin we do, it just gets stuffed in this container and just stuffed and stuffed until it just can't hold anymore. And the day you die, boom, it just explodes. And where will that send us? Our sins will send us to hell. Separation from God, separation from his love. And how many sins does it take? One. To make you a sinner. That's it. But you think about what Jesus did on that cross. When you invite him into your life, when you repent, when your life begins to change, it's like Jesus, right before that grenade goes off, he throws himself on that grenade. And he saves us. He literally saves us. Now, how many in this room, and see, I went to church 30 years, and I was deceived until somebody asked me flat out in a football chapel service, if you died, would you go to heaven or hell? And I thought, ooh, maybe I do more good than bad. Maybe I can talk my way in. You know, I'm better than so-and-so, or whatever it may be, or I go to church. None of those answers are going to cut it. He said, have you personally invited Christ into your life? Asked Him to forgive you. Be Lord of your life. Well, I raised my hand, and nothing supernatural happened, but my life began to change. And if you're in this room today, and you're not sure where you'd spend eternity, you can be sure before you leave here. But you know what? Pride's not going to let you raise your hand. Pride will keep you from that, no matter how young or old you are. And if you want to make sure you're going to heaven, if you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, if you've maybe said a prayer but never seen a change, and you want to just declare today publicly that you want Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life, we'll hold your hand up. And we'll pray for you. Both hands, amen. See your hand, see your hand. I'm telling you. Anybody else? See your hand, your hand. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You know, in just a moment, they're going to start playing. Our altar team's going to come up here. If you raised your hand, 
to ask Christ in your life, I want you to meet Travis and myself over at that cross. We're going to pray with you and give you some literature. Our altar team is going to be up here. But if you need anything from God, like I said, I believe today there's going to be some suddenlies. Some of you have been going through some things that are some struggles. You come and agree with somebody, we're going to believe, believe that that darkness is going to be turned to light and some hope's going to come. If you're sick in your body, Travis, head over there. They're ready to go. I'm telling you, that guy lifted up both hands. He said, I surrender, boy. I'm telling you, that's the way to do it. Thank you, Jesus. Love to be interrupted with that stuff. Hallelujah. Amen. Whew, thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. Altar team, come up. They're going to sing through one time. If you want prayer for anything, healing, uh, you just feel like you're, there's some confusion, whatever you may want, uh, just come up and let them pray for it. Let us sing through one time, and then we'll come back and formally dismiss you. You know what?